Robertson, and he was battling what the doctors called a case of terminal cancer. And he made a statement that caught my attention. He said, I am often at the end of my rope, but never at the end of my hope. And that's where we are this morning. We're not, we, we may feel like we've gone through things or whatever, you know, the negative aspects of life. And we feel like we're at the end of our, our rope. And we don't need to tie a knot and hang on. We just need to come in contact with the God who is enough and know that our hope is in him. It's not in this world system. It's not in each other. It's not in any program that the government can bring forth. Our hope is in God this morning. And he is the one who never fails. He's the one who never breaks promise. He's the one who has the ability and the power to do what his word declares he will do. And so we talk about hope. I like that statement. You know, I preached on hope many times, but it seemed like this week as I was thinking about the message for today, and I, I certainly think Pastor has a lot of a lot of faith to let me be up here, but anyway, that's another story. In um, 1 Corinthians uh, 13, 13, it says that hope is such a powerful force that it is listed by the Apostle Paul along with faith and love. And the scripture says, And now abideth faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. But notice it's right there with love, hope. And some, some have uh, kind of made light of hope. Some have made like, oh, you got to have faith and you better love everybody and hope is there, but it's not that important. But I'm here to tell you this morning that hope is that important. It's hope that keeps people from committing suicide. It's hope that keeps uh, uh, people going forward when it seems like everything is saying it's in reverse. But hope keeps them moving on because our hope is in God who is sufficient. The Proverbs 10.28 says, The hope of the righteous will be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. Without hope we have no joy. Without joy we have no strength. Without strength we are weak in faith. Without hope we are gi give up and say, well, what's the use anyway? Without hope, faith has nothing to materialize. So our hope is alive. And I pray that it's alive for 2024. Whatever the year may bring, whatever may happen in the days ahead, hope is alive in the hearts of men and women who know God. And because they have hope and because they know God, they have the ability and the power to give hope to a lost and dying world that needs to know there is hope, there is an answer, there is a way out of the dilemma that we are in even as a nation. And that's a fresh visit of Almighty God. It's a fresh revival of the things of God that stir people into the church, that stir people into a deeper uh, uh, experience with God. I was listening to some, I think it was a preacher, it may have been a news program. I, I'm not exactly sure. I listened to both. <laughs> you know, gotta, gotta listen to the preacher to get over what the news is saying. But anyway, uh, the, the, they were giving a report and they said they had done a uh, survey and they discovered in that survey that people who, are, who feel the church is really relevant now is only about 30%. That's a startling statistic. So what do we do? Give up and say, oh, well, it's not that important. I'll go, I'll stay, church. When, when I was talking to a relative and uh, the, the need of being in church and for her to find a church and, and get involved. And uh, she said, well, Marlene, you know that people are not dissatisfied with Jesus. They're just dissatisfied with the church. So what does the church need? Uh, the church needs a visitation of the Holy Ghost of God. 
God that makes us different than any other place they go. It makes it different than any other thing they experience. When they come into this place of worship, they come not to uh, uh, fulfill a duty, but they come to meet with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and experience the power of the Holy Spirit that brings comfort and brings discomfort to those that need the discomfort. So we see that the church is still very relevant. But without hope, we, we kind of give up. We kind of lay down on our commitment and our desires. Now, my actual text is found in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Through, I think, about verse 5. Uh, uh, yeah, verse 5. And it, it says, reading verse 1, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, it's not what we do, it's by faith. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Oh, aren't you glad for Jesus this morning? Aren't you glad that Jesus, we just celebrated the day that they recognize his birth. But aren't you grateful for the baby born but grew to be a man and went to a cross and, and, and was put into a tomb, came out of that tomb, and is alive this morning to interact with us. Hallelujah. Because of, our, of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Verse 2. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place, now listen to this, of undeserved privilege where we now stand. We're not trying to get there. If we're in Christ, we are there. And sometimes we forget we are there. But we come into that place where we stand in uh, 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 undeserved privilege, where we now stand. And because of that, we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. So this morning, I'm used to walking around and I want to walk, but I, if I fall down, y'all come pick me up, okay? Sounds fair to me. I've come to announce to you that we are people of privilege. Come on now. I'm used to preaching to Indians and they get excited. <laughs> you know, they may shout you down. But, but we, we are people of privilege. Sometimes we feel like we're the leftovers. But we are men and women of privilege because of the position that we have in Jesus Christ. Now, that doesn't mean we are superior or it doesn't mean that we are better than somebody else. It just means that we have been brought into a place where we have the privilege of coming into the very throne room of God and have an audience with God Almighty who speaks and it happens, who moves and things shake. Oh, hallelujah, church. Glory to the name of our God. I think it would be all right if we stopped and had a little praise time. Hallelujah. Because because we are people that have that privilege now. Now, now listen, I'm, I'm probably going to go off, off course here because I st don't st stick to my notes. I wander into fields unknown. <laughs> but I, 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 was, I was just, the thought just popped into my mind. No matter what we think of what's going on in Washington, D.C. or our president... If we got an invite and it said, Dear Miss Marlene Mercer, you are cordially, cordially invited to an audience with the President of the United States. You mean I get to go to, uh, now, now I'm not politi being political here, but because I don't know, care what you think about the president or what I think about. If we had that invitation, we would be excited. 
Because we could go tell him what life was like in here in South Dakota. <laughs> you know, we, we, we could tell him what we were going through and the, the difficulties that we were having. And President, you're not helping much with all the things. No, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> but we would be excited and I'd come to church and I'd run up to Thaddeus and I'd say, Thaddeus, guess what? I'm going to go to Washington, D.C. next week. And the president has agreed to sit down and have a visit with me and let me tell him all that's going on and let me tell him what's happening in my life and what I have need of. Thaddeus, look at this. Read it. Here it is right here. I've got it in my hand and I'm going to go no matter what it costs, no matter what it's going to be like. I'm going to go because I have an audience with the, ki- the, 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 the President of the United States. Well, I'm here to remind us this morning that we have an invitation into the very throne room of Almighty God, who who, who moves mountains, who created this entire entire universe by His Word. We have the privilege of, oh, come on now, church. We have the privilege of coming into His presence and sitting down, or kneeling, or laying down, or standing up, or whatever the case may be. And Will you catch me if I fall off? And whatever the case might be, have an audience with this God. We call him Father. We call him Father. Now, some people don't have a good relationship with their father. But this father, he never turns us away. He's never too busy to hear. He's never too involved with, oh, I got to take care of Pastor Tom. I don't have you. I have time for you, you has been. You were something, but now you're just a person living in here in South Dakota. After all, your identity used to be because you were a missionary, because you were a preacher. No, he doesn't say that. He says, come on in, little girl. I've got time for you, and he's got time for every one of us. Because no matter what we our station in life is, we are people of privilege. And that don't make us proud or egotistical. It humbles us to realize that this God, this Almighty One, desires a relationship with us. Hallelujah to God. Hey, I'm doing pretty good. I haven't fallen. I'm falling off. I don't know. I tell you, you'd have to be careful up here. Before our salvation, we stood in Adam and were condemned. But now in Christ, we have a perfect standing before God and we can enter into his presence. Because of Christ, we have a basis of expectation or of hope because our hope is centered in him and the promises of the word. Now hope takes on special meaning in the New Testament. Sometimes we say I hope and mean I would like, but I'm uncertain of. But in the scriptural context, and in the context of our relationship with God, the Christian can have a white, hot, intensive expectation. This hope that I'm talking about this morning is not uncertain. It's positive. Absolute. The psalmist said in Psalms 42 verse 5 declared he, he declared that hope in God is a call to an active faith which expects God to act. When you pray, do you expect God to answer? I was thinking about that yesterday. How many times have we prayed and, ah, we prayed. But do we leave that place of prayer with the expectation that something's going to happen? I believe that's what God's calling every one of us to. An expectation. Hope means to have a joyful expectancy or to have a pleasurable anticipation. Think of the thing you pleasure most. 
Oh man, if somebody invites me over for a chicken fried uh, fried chicken dinner, I have pleasurable anticipation. Because anybody who knows me knows I love chicken. I love that fried chicken, and I don't need it, but I sure do love it. But the thought of it when my coworker would make the southern fried chicken, it was pleasurable anticipation. Well, hope brings that in regard to our relationship with God. Someone has said hope is faith holding out its hand in the dark. Joyce Meyer says positive expectation of something good happening in our future. Oh my, what, what are you expecting in 2024? Are you expecting good things? Are you expecting God to maybe save that person you've been praying for? Uh, 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 glorious, pardon? Grace, I'm sorry, Grace. Grace shared that with that T-shirt and, and mentioned that it was, she was expecting one of these days her husband and her daughter to put those T-shirts on and be in church with her. What are you expecting? Oh, man, we're going to, we had... Plenty of trouble in 23, so how much more are we going to have in 24? Come on now. Our expectation is of him. And he's not limited except by our unbelief. In our doubt, in our negative feelings. God, wow, God is God, that's for sure. So now let's go back to our text, verse 3. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Oh boy, got another problem. <laughs> Ooh, what you so happy about, old girl? I've got a problem. Yeah, what you excited about? Oh, I've got a trial. I'm going through a battle. Well, that's what it says. We can rejoice not for the battle, but we can rejoice that we know that he will see us through the battle. For we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation, and this hope will not lead to disappointment. That's a very important verse right there. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. How many of you had any disappointments in 23? Thank you for that one person. I think we probably all have in, in some way or some measure. But it's never disappointment in what God can do. If we remain confident in him. For we know how God for we know how dearly God loves us. We're, we're God's little dears. Not D-E-E-R, but D-E-A-R. How God dearly loves us. God loves us. Sometimes you get to feeling a little bit like nobody really cares if you're standing on planet Earth or if you're under the ground. But God dearly loves us. Always, constantly, never changes. He's not one way one day and then another way the next day. He's always the same. Extending his love to us and drawing us unto, us, un, unto himself. Because the last of that verse says, because he has given us the Holy Spirit. Oh, that's part of why we have a, such an a, a intimate and special relationship because his spirit lives in us. God's not far away. He's in us. You think of that for a few minutes. Wherever I go, God goes. <laughs> if I go to Burger King, God goes to Burger King. <laughs> I don't know if he likes it or not, but he goes. <laughs> If I go shopping, God goes shopping. Wherever we go, because he lives in us. He lives in us. 
next time somebody tries to put you down or you get to feeling a little bad about something, just think, hmm, the God of the universe dwells in me. Jesus said in John, he said, when we believe in him, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come to dwell within us. Oh, wow, what privileged people we are. What privileged people we are. Uh, let's see, let me get back to my verses here. Micah chapter 7, verse 7, out of the Amplified says, I will wait with hope and expectancy for the God of my salvation. I was preaching this little sideline story. I see I've got time. Unless my clock is wrong. <laughs> but, but anyway, I was preaching in uh, uh, Little Boston, Washington on the uh, Kalalum Reservation there. There was quite a number of elderly people. Well, there was all, all, all ages there, but I'm thinking of particularly the elderly. <coughs> and so I was speaking about expectation. What's your expectation? I preach about that a lot, maybe because I need it. I don't know. But expectation. And, and um, I was using a scripture, and I can't think of the scripture right now, but the, the thought in it was, I was telling them, we need to get pregnant with God's dreams and God's vision. And so one of the little ladies, she's probably in her 80s, young, you know. But, but she went home and her daughter called up and her daughter said, Mama, how are you? She said, I'm pregnant. She said, she said after somebody came and picked up her daughter off the floor, they, they continued on with the conversation. But we use pregnancy and expectation, you know, synonymously as, as such. But we become pregnant with God's dreams and God's vision. I guess that's kind of what our pastor is. He's pregnant with a vision for a church on what I call a Main Street. I know that's not the name of Dakota Avenue. He, he, he's pregnant with that. It's alive in his spirit, very much so. And so we become alive with what we're expecting God to do on our behalf. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, according to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Faith is a confident assurance that we, what we hope for is going to happen. Now, hope is a goal setter, but faith produces it. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. For what things? What things? What are you talking about, old woman? What things? I'm talking about everything this book says is ours. Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. I believe that. I'm just simple enough to believe that this is God's message to us. And what he has recorded in here is available to us by faith. We have faith in God to do what he has promised. And we can be absolutely sure that he will. So our hopes are not idle hopes, but built on the solid foundation of his trustworthiness. Psalms 119.114 says, You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. Why is it important to know his word? So we know what to hope for. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We, we have hope for the salvation of unsaved family members, unsaved friends, unsaved neighbors. We have hope for that because it's in God's will for it to happen. He's not willing that any should perish. Oh, we can pray with confidence. But, of course, we understand that God has to work on that person's will and bring them into a place where they're willing 
to give their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. We were preaching a camp meeting on the Yukon River. We flew into a little village in Alaska called Imanuk. And then we got into a boat and went 25 miles up the Yukon River for camp meeting. This was my coworker, Doris Nixon, and myself. And uh, we, were, we were going to preach that camp meeting. She was the Bi- more the Bible teacher. <clears throat> I have more of an evangelist-type ministry. So I was going to be the camp evangelist. So we rode this 25 miles up the river in the boat to go to church. And it was cold. It was July, but it was cold on that water. Now, some of the people came and stayed on the campgrounds, but many would come in the boats for the evening service. And it was exciting to stand on the shoreline and watch the boats come from this way and that way up the river to go to church. And the people from the communities that were staying there was excited because, well, there's Joe, there's John, there's Gertrude, there's Henrietta. And, and they would begin to uh, speak the names of the people that were coming in the boats. And it was exciting as, as evangelists from South Dakota and uh, New Mexico and Arizona to stand and watch the boats come in for the camp meeting. Well, a group came from Imanic. That's where we flew into to catch our boat. And, and one of the ladies, Eileen was her name, she was so excited because her husband had come. He went, normally he didn't go to church. Normally he wasn't, well, he had a lot of problems. Well, we preached, but he didn't come to the altar that night because I, I still believe in the altar call. And he, he didn't come. And Eileen went over to talk to her to, before they got in the boat to go back to Imanic and encourage her. And she was so worried he wouldn't come back. He was here tonight, but and it was his opportunity, but he won't come back tomorrow night because he don't go to church. He don't like church. He don't want to be there. We said, Eileen, believe that God is dealing with him. And when God deals with somebody, they have a hard time resisting. And so the next night, it was church time, and he, he, he uh, did come back. Eileen was so happy, just glowing, that little Eskimo woman so excited that her husband had come to church. And so we had service, of course, and we went to the altar time. And I can't remember his name. I, I searched my brain what I have of it left. I searched it trying to bring up his name, but I couldn't. And so Eileen came in, and, and she came up just a grin, and she said, he's here. He's here. Well, he was there. But I couldn't save him. It was up to God. So we preached like we normally do and, and uh, gave the altar call. And pretty soon here comes Eileen. And she's, she's walking. Very fir- I can't do it now. I'm sorry. But she was walking very confidently. And she had the old guy by his hand. <laughs> she was bringing him to the altar because he was coming there to meet Jesus. And he gave his heart to Jesus. And when, he, when they left on the boat that night, he was just grinning all over the place. And, and he was, it was the last night of our, our camp meeting. And he, he waved goodbye at us. And before that, you could hardly get him to grunt, <laughs> you know. And he waved goodbye. And, and, and they took off on the boat. And and. Uh, so we happened to go back to Imanic for about four or five nights of services before we left the area. And every night when, when Eileen's husband, I'm going to call him Fred because I 
can't always say Eileen's husband, but every night Fred would come to the altar, and every night he would be changed. Every night we could see something different happening in Fred's life, and nobody was there playing Holy Spirit Junior and saying, Fred, you need to give up those drugs. They're going to kill you. Fred, you need to lay that alcohol down. No, nobody was telling him, Fred, you need to be nice to your wife. Quit beating her. It isn't proper to beat her anymore. Oh, nobody was there. But the Holy Spirit, through the Word, was changing Fred into a man of God. And every night there was a different, every night you could see a transformation. He began to get a little cleaner. He began to look a little different outwardly because things were happening inwardly in his life. And the last night we were there, we, we oftentimes, it depend upon how the Spirit would lead, but we would have family units come and then we would pray with them and over them. And that night, here comes Fred. Here comes Eileen. And here comes Fred's mama. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Another precious Eskimo lady. Here she came. And you could see the age and the wear of sin upon her life. But there she came. And then here came about six kids that were Eileen and, and, and Fred's kids. And they got just as close together as they could get. And they begin to pray, and God begin to touch them. You ask me if it's worth it. You ask me if all the miles, in all the battles, in all the struggles, it was worth it. It was worth it just to remember Fred and the transformation that Fred had in his life because of an experience with Jesus Christ. Fred's kids had a new daddy. Fred's wife had a new husband. Fred's mother had a new son. And it wasn't anything to do with the evangelist. It was to do with the word of the living God that God is able to take by the power of the Holy Spirit and convict people and draw them and accomplish things in their lives. We want to tell Fred and what was her name? Eileen. We want to tell them goodbye. But Fred said, they're over there in the corner. I mean, pastor, pastor said, they're over there in the corner. He said, I've never seen them that close together in all of my life. And I thought, well, maybe I would have felt that way if I'd have been married to him a week ago. But things had changed. Oh, God's able to do that. He's able to change those family members that are unsafe. He's able to draw those children that are away from God. He's able to draw them back to himself. And we have hope for that. 2024, may it be the year of salvation. May, I, know, I understand salvation is always available. But I'm talking about expectation for the year 2024. May it be the year of a visitation of the Holy Spirit of God in our church as well as other churches that stirs us up and quickens us and makes us alive out in the power of the... Well, glory to God. I want to shout and jump and holler a little bit, but I can't anymore. And that's one reason I don't like to preach much anymore because I can't do it like I used to do it. If I was 20 years younger, I'd be running up and down this platform hallelujah because it's stirring on the inside the power of the holy ghost is quickening me even as i preach his word hallelujah the word of the living god we were preaching another camp meeting in alaska and i was having some problems with my voice i i for uh, about a month, I, w I had to be on voice conservation. We happened to have some time off. It was Christmas in the first of the year. We were down in Albuquerque, and the doctor said, you need to just not talk. Well, tell a preacher that. <laughs> you know, what you talking about? So I wrote notes. And then we went up to Alaska again. We made about four trips up there. And we were having camp meeting at Metlakatla. 
And I was trying to keep my voice so I could preach. And oftentimes I would start out with a whisper. But by the time I got going uh, and finished, I was talking pretty good. But I didn't try to shout too much. They're just driving me crazy. Because I wanted to shout. I wanted to get excited. And so there was this young guy. He is sitting right here on the aisle. And so I'd say, I can't remember his name. And I'd say, hey, will you shout for me? Yeah. So we had a deal. I would preach, go down the aisle. He would shout. There's a shout of victory when the spirit is stirring us up. Now, I'm not trying to tell you you got to get emotional and all that stuff. You know, you do what you want to do. But I enjoy the freedom of shouting and rejoicing in the Lord. And so we left Imanic, I mean, we left Metlakatla and went back to Albuquerque. And so now I'm going to endeavor to bring this remarks to a close. In Psalms 119, 114, I read that now, Psalm 119, 116. Uphold me according to your word that I, that I may live. And do not let me be ashamed of my hope. Sometimes we're afraid to speak what we're hoping for. Because if it doesn't happen, what will people say? If we know that our hope has been birthed in our spirit by the Holy Spirit, we can exercise faith that it's going to happen, that it will take place. So 2024 is a year of expectation. Let's, now, I'm, I'm not the pastor. I'm just a visiting preacher but let's make 2024 a year of expectation how you doing I'm expecting you don't have to go in great detail I'm expecting God to move on some of my family members part of the reason I moved back South Dakota I'm expecting God to open opportunities to share the gospel with people. I'm expecting God to bless me. Oh, now don't you get talking like that, Marlene. That's not right. You can't expect that. I can expect that. I expect to be blessed in my going out and my coming in. I expect to be blessed when I'm standing up and when I'm sitting down. And I expect that this knee is not going to continue its pestering me, but it's going to get okay. I think part of it was just stress. It swelled up. I'm expecting. What are you expecting? If you sat down and wrote a list of things... In 2024, I'm not making New Year's resolutions. And I probably will break within 10 days anyway. But I'm going to write down some things I'm expecting. Put expression to what you feel in your spirit. I'm expecting. I'm expecting to go down to New Mexico this next year. Oh, yeah, I've been invited down there to preach. I'm going to go preach. Actually, one preacher sent a note and said if I would come to Arizona, they would pay my plane ticket and rent me a donkey. When I read donkey, I said, oh, my, no. Make it a horse anyway. <laughs> you know. And I'm expecting. What are you expecting? Come on. Don't look at me like you think I'm, boy, Pastor Tom made a mistake with her. You can tell him that if you want to. But I know I'm here in the will of God. And I'm to remind you that this 2024 can be a year of great, great victory. You say, well, you don't know what I'm going through right now? No, I don't. But God does.
And there's a, there's a, a verse, I wrote it down in here because I don't remember like I used to. But Philippians 3.13 says, I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Now, I don't want you to say, I know what lies ahead, more problems. Do you know Jesus? I look forward, looking forward to what lies ahead. And then Paul, and I didn't use the whole verse, but he said, I press on. I press on. In expectation. Oh, hallelujah. The scripture tells us in Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Notice the connection there between hope, joy, and peace connected to believing. What are you believing? What are you expecting? What are you anticipating? But of course, I would remiss not to conclude with our greatest hope of all, Titus 2.13, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Individually, but what he's talking about here is the return of Jesus, the second coming. Are you looking forward to it? I know, I know some people look at, well, what I want to go to heaven is an escape from all their problems. And I don't look like it that way. I look at it as the privilege of going into the very literal presence of Almighty God and seeing the Christ who died for us. My concluding scripture Second, or First Thessalonians 4.16 For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God. He's coming, folks. Whether you're ready for him or not, he's coming. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus shall we always be with the Lord. Comfort one another with these words. One of these ordinary days, the trumpet's going to sound. Gravity will lose its hold. And those who have been redeemed will all of a sudden go flying. You ever want to fly without an airplane? <laughs> or a hot air balloon? That's going to happen for the believer. Jesus is coming again. I kept trying to think, oh, I need something spectacular to preach. Well, I'm not a spectacular preacher. I'm not really a very deep preacher. I'm just a woman who fell in love with Jesus, and he called me to preach, and he put a burning desire within my heart to do his will and to look forward with expectation of what he's going to do. I think 24 is going to be better than 23. I got to feeling really good in 23. I told somebody it's the best I've felt since I moved here in 2017. 20, the last part of 2023 was that way until just yesterday. And I, th I think I know why. The devil don't want me to talk positive about his healing power, about God's healing power. You know, so he said, well, I'll get you up there and you got to sit down and you got to have somebody, help, which I thank that man, help, help me up the platform. But my expectation 
is to be able to fulfill some of the invitations of preaching. And I don't, I don't have to be a preacher to have my identity. My identity is simply, I'm just a child of God. I'm one of his handmaidens. And that's the grandest identity of all. Whether you're a banker or a farmer or a merchant or whatever, the greatest identity and the greatest thing of privilege is that our names are written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. So I'm going to challenge you with that thought, and then I'm going to have a word of prayer for you as we dismiss. Or what actually is Thaddeus comes. Our Father in heaven, we delight in you. We're joyful in the knowledge that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Storms may come and storms may go, but we are confident that you will see us through and we will come forth on the other side with greater victory and greater joy. And Lord, our, our lives will be a witness Sometimes our greatest witness is just simply walking through storms with our head high in our heart full of peace and full of joy because we know you, Lord. You're such a great God, such a great Father. And we want to exalt you. We want to honor you. We want to give you glory today from our very heart, declaring our God is able. Our God is able to do the impossible. What is impossible with man is not with you, God. And I pray for Restoration Church in 2024. May you do some mighty things in regard to the building and the things that are on pastor's heart to see accomplished. But I pray, God, that you would mightily visit our services with the manifestation of your spirit moving among us and quickening us and recharging us and sending us out of this building full of the confidence that we can expect you to move and we can expect you to work. And some of those we've been praying for for years are going to bow their heart to you, almighty God. Their lives are going to be transformed by the power of the spirit and by the word of the living God father I thank you for hope I've got hope for members of my family that if you look at it in the natural you think no way but I look beyond the natural and I look to a God who has all power and all ability and who can bring circumstances and situations to bear that will cause hearts to be turned towards you and Lord, I pray for every person in this congregation. I'd love to call them forward and lay my hands on them and pray for them like I used to do, God. But I pray from this place of, of uh, sitting here on this platform. It's as though I'm extending my hand towards them and I'm asking you to minister to them, God. Lift hearts. Bring encouragement. Bring answers to things they've struggled with for days. Let them see the light at the end of the tunnel. They don't need to uh, tie a knot in a rope. They just need to look up and see their God who said, if I be for you, and I think it was read this morning, if I be for you, who can be against you? Lord, bless this church. Bless the missionaries that have gone. Bless the family members that have gone. Bless this church and its influence in hearing. Honor your, your servant, Tom's heart, as he seeks to build your kingdom in this community. Father, thank you for these people. Bless them. Provide every need that they have need of. And may 2024 be a glorious year in spite of the storms. 
because not all storms are forecast. Some of them just happen. And so, Lord, we ask your blessing. I pray you'll take this simple message and put it in the hearts of your people to expect more in 24 than they've ever expected before. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 I don't know about you, but one of the things that I love in life is catching people in the act. Not catching them in the act of something they're not supposed to be doing, but catching people in the act of doing what they were put on the earth to do. And I think we've just been a part of that this morning. Being able to to listen and to hear what Marlene has shared. She's been put on this earth to share that message with us. So Marlene, thank you so much for being a part of our, our service this morning. Hoping for more in 24. I feel like we should run for office now. We're on, we're on, put us on the ticket. We're, I'll vote for you. I can't vote. I'm a Canadian citizen. I'm not allowed to vote. But hey, thank you so much for being a part of a final service with us here 2023 as we get ready to, to look ahead. Hope for more in 2024. Just want to remind you, no empowered youth, no prayer tonight until the 14th. Uh, take a look at the calendar. Get a, get uh, familiar with the things that are coming up so that you can join us. Don't forget also about prayer and fasting coming up later this month and then January 6th and 7th with the Lapkas. Hey, Happy New Year. I hope that you have a wonderful uh, time celebrating, whether that's with food or with going to bed early or whatever it looks like. I hope you have a wonderful new year and we look forward to uh, joining together again next week. God bless. See you next year. <laughs> Had to do it. Had to do it. God bless everyone.